space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Fictional Fans. It's continuing mission to explore strange new fan fictions, to seek out new typos and new story contrivances, to boldly read shitty Star Trek fan fiction where no one has read before. I am Captain Quinn of the USS Gunboat Diplomacy, and joining me we have... I'm uh, uh, George, George the Klingon. Damn it, Captain! I'm a doctor, not a fan fiction reader! <laughs> I am Austin, Chief Medical Science Officer. And you can probably pick it up already, but today we're reading Star Trek. I explicitly said so in the intro. What, what the fuck is wrong with me? <clears throat> well, it's okay, Quinn. We're all flawed human beings. Yeah, we're flawed. We started this podcast. Yes, yes, but <laughs> we, it's with this vague sense of superiority that we really carry through this podcast. Yeah, three whole episodes. We're so much better than everyone. Well, you see, we're far better than these fan fiction authors. <laughs> so I don't know what Star Trek is. I don't believe you. I know what it is, but I never watched... I watched the 2009 movie, I think. That was the year. The reboot. So you know what a Star Trek is. Yeah, like, but I don't, I'm not steeped in the lore of Star Trek. I, I, neither am I. I think Quinn is the only person here who has this particular sickness... Yep. I, I, I've been curious about it in the past because I know so many people who are like diehard Star Trek advocates, but I have always been on the lore side of this never-ending conflict. I certainly straddle the line of said conflict. Uh, I mean, I, I like Star Trek. It's not my favorite fanfic... Uh, sorry, fanfiction. Uh, it's not my favorite sci-fi property, but I, I enjoy it. I've watched a fair bit of TNG and some of the other series... That's a scary um, world that you live in when the fan fiction comes first. <laughs> well, is it a scary world or is it the world we should all actually be striving to live in? You know, independent outsider art instead of these massive studios just churning out the latest Chris Pine feature. Why not? Austin, this podcast, this entire podcast is a dedication to why not. I don't this know, is last, this is the reason we don't do that. After last week, I don't know. I mean, that, that Need for Speed fic really spoke to me. <laughs> but, okay, so for anyone who's somehow not familiar with Star Trek, it's a story, it, you know, it's set in the future. There's this thing called the Federation of Planets, and they're dedicated to exploring the universe, what's out there, and the show is about what they find. It's It's basically... Monster of the Week Space Utopia, mm -hmm. but uh, it's it, it's boring. I always considered it the the boring cousin of Star Wars because you know I'd watch I watch Star Wars right and there's you know laser swords and hands getting cut off and guns and shit. And then you watch Star Trek and you know it's a bunch of people sitting in a spaceship flying around. I mean I've seen a couple episodes and it seems like Star Wars is carried through by its plot. Star Trek is carried through by its characters. So innately, it's a quieter, slower-paced yeah. thing. Well, Star Trek certainly strives to be a lot more high-concept. It's supposed to, like, deal with more out-there things. Like, it's... it's People will dispute me on this, but I will say it's a... It, it attempts to be a smarter show about social issues, and it uses... And a lot of times, it uses the, um, you know, the fictional setting of the 24th century you know, to kind of explore that in a semi-safe way. 
Well, I know of nothing that is higher concept or more intelligent than fan fiction. And I am going to start off on this episode. Um, because I have found truly an excellent example of just true deep thought art. You know, this is rivaling War and Peace. This might be better than Catch-22. It is the story Kidnapped. Oh, no. By Gwen Cooper Williams. Jack Crusher paced around his quarters on board the Stargazer. Damn that Picard. First, he gets the girl right out from under my nose. Then he marries her. He gets her preggers. And now we've docked at Starbase 32. <laughs> so we see the little brat porn. He doesn't deserve Beverly. She should be with me. The baby that should be mine. Jack stalked out of his quarters and down the gangway, connecting the Stargaze to Starbase 32 and headed for Beverly's quarters. He mashed the call button outside when the door slid open. He was greeted by his best friend. There were no commas, and this is still the same sentence. Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> cradling his newborn son to his chest. Hello, Jack. No, oh, I'm sorry. Hello, Jack. So good of you to drop by to meet, meet the baby. Beverly is laughing right now, but I'm sure she should appreciates that you stopped by. Wait, so, you like so Picard got Wesley? Becky pregnant or whatever? Yes, he, 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 he got Beverly Pregers. Oh, oh Not no. pregnant, specifically Pregers. Pregers. And the man who loves Beverly is stopping by to visit little Wesley. Would you like to hold little Wesley? And, and, that's, sure. Will, and that's Will Wheaton, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so it, I have no idea why in the world he would want to have Will Wheaton around. But so, hey, so we, hey, Will Wheaton is a treasure. So in my okay. own headcanon for this, it's a full-grown Will Wheaton just held in held in Picard's arms. You know what? I'm fully willing to go with this. You know, Will Will Wheaton gets a lot of crap, but he is a treasure. <laughs> uh shit. Jean-Luc gently placed the three-day-old in Jack's arms. Okay, three days old is too young to be getting visitors or, or even really have that baby out and about. <laughs> but he's an adventurer of Star Trek. He, he has that to baby go, he needs has to, to cook boldly, for a little bit more. He has more. to boldly go where no man has gone before, right? I suppose in Jack's arms. Adjusting his hands to support Wesley's head, a light bulb went off in Jack's head on how he could get back at his supposed best friend. I could just fucking take off and run with the baby. He'll never see it coming. And he clutched the baby to his chest, spun, and ran out. Fuck yes! John Luke tapped his combat. Security alert. Lieutenant Commander Jack Crusher has just kidnapped my baby. (laughs) Jack ran down the corridors of the base and onto the stargazer. He placed the now screaming baby on his bed while he turned back to, tur- while he hurried to pack his bag. Presumably would- regretting the idea by this point. Oh no! This is the best choice he's made in his life. She wouldn't give me a baby. She didn't love me, so I'm going to take her baby. <laughs> These are the thoughts of a mentally sound adult, for everyone. A mentally you know, sound Starfleet officer. I'm pretty sure there are psych exams in Starfleet. But it's only, but Quinn, it's only logical. It's, it's to see how quickly you can correctly assess this situation. And of course, the correct answer is, take the baby. It's yours now. <laughs> it's in your arms. It belongs to you. It's like the laws of 
a naval salvage. You know, if there's a baby on the uh, on the ground, then you can pick it up and it's yours. <laughs> Look, possession is nine tenths of the law, so that is nine tenths his child. <laughs> he would be on the next transporter off that base with the baby. Wait, a transporter is coming to get him? <laughs> no, no, transporters are teleporters. Okay, <laughs> okay. He would go and hide and raise the baby as his own. That would teach Jean-Luc a lesson. Yes, I'm going to teach you a lesson by raising your child. I will assume all responsibility for your children. Not, not kill the child, not dump the brat somewhere as a true villain would. I'm, I'm just going to be a bit of a dick, but then be a, a good father. Teach him how to I'm swing a baseball him bat. Going to be there at every soccer game. <laughs> Beverly would be so mad at Jean-Luc for allowing him to take the baby that she would leave him. And then Jack could contact her, and she would marry them, and they would be happy. How did, hey, how did you two meet? Oh, well, he stole well, my kid once, and then I married him. Or, or, or even, hey, baby. And speaking of babies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that in the story? No. Aww. Jack peered at the screaming baby. Ugh. It even looks like John Luke. What did he say that brat's name was? Weston? No, we'll change it. From now on, kid, your name is Jack Jr. What do you think of that? The baby merely continued to cry, and if it was possible, his face became redder. Jack stared at the baby. He had no idea what the baby needed. Was it hungry? What did three day-year-old babies think? Maybe, Milk, right? maybe I didn't think this through. Milk, right? He went to the replicator. Milk, please specify type and temperature. Jack scowled at the machine. How was he supposed to know? Isn't milk just milk? <laughs> the baby screamed on. How do I make it stop crying? What do I do with it? Why doesn't he, why doesn't he just enter into the replicator Wesley's data and then print out a not crying Wesley? Does that work, Quinn? No. <laughs> okay. Or, I don't know, maybe it does. I, I'm, I'm not that into Star Trek. Furthermore, why what doesn't do he do make, like, an army of baby Wesleys, then Beverly will have as many kids as she wants. She won't care if one goes missing. I'm going to say that that doesn't work, given that childbirth still seems to be necessary. <laughs> I know I stole your baby, but here's a replacement one. That's just as good, right? Yeah. It's made out of some gray goo, but you, you, won't, you won't know. Jack's quarters were suddenly filled with a stench he could only describe as barnyard. What's that smell? Is, is that the baby? Jack picked up the child, and to his utter disgust, he touched something warm and gooey coming out of the baby's diaper. To boldly go where no baby has gone before. Green? What the hell did Beverly feed this thing? Poop is supposed to be brown. This man is a genius. <laughs> he's a star. He's a Starfleet officer. He didn't come up through the biology core. Let's put it that way. Jack gingerly removed the baby's clothing and discovered the green poop was caked halfway up the baby's back. He carried the baby into his bathroom and turned on the sonic shower. He gingerly held Wesley, or Jack Jr., as he was going to be known as, up to the sonic blast in an attempt to clean off the child. The sonic shower didn't work and always seemed to cake the feces on further. What's a Jack sonic used... shower? This is a shitty is it shower. Like some, is it just like someone screaming at the baby? Ah! I would assume, ah! I would assume it's like low... Get clean! I would, assume, I would assume it's like low frequency waves that just pummel you gingerly. 
And that's supposed to get poop oh. off you better? It's supposed to clean you, you know? It, it's just removing debris with sound instead of water. Uh, Jack used the towel to wipe the baby clean and glanced dismayly at the baby's now dirty clothing. He didn't have a clean diaper, and he didn't even know how to put a diaper on a baby. But he asked the replicator for one anyway, figuring he would just figure it out. And when the the replicator asked him for size, he kicked the bottom <laughs> of the cabinet. These things come in sizes? <laughs> he finally decided- Damn it, I'm a starship captain, I can change a baby's he diaper. Didn't he didn't come up through the through the size curriculum. He came up through, through baby stealing. First in his class. He finally decided the only thing he could do was to roll the baby in a few towels, <laughs> like it was a sausage. A really noisy, ugly sausage. The baby was still crying, and it started to smell again. Jack didn't know what to do and began to second-guess his plan. When the security team apprehended Jack by following the sound of the screaming child, he was more than happy to turn the noisy, smelly thing that looked like John Luke back over to his parents. Spending the rest of his life, rest of his life in a penal colony didn't sound so bad. And that's the end of the fic. This oh. this whole story took place over like ten minutes. He's he's yep. that incompetent with a it child. Took like ten minutes <laughs> after kidnapping a baby, and uh, just just sort of walking around trying to use the replicator for a few minutes. He used the restroom once. He tried and, to figure like, out what kind of milk babies want. Which he didn't really attempt to escape whatsoever. He just went back to his quarters, started packing his bag. And then got distracted while the security team calmly approached his quarters. This seems like kind of a harsh crime, though, to like to be sent to a penal colony for the rest of your life for borrowing a baby for ten minutes. I don't know. It was an attempted kidnapping. Yeah, kidnapping yeah, no. in you know the most literal sense. I I don't know. He didn't literally nap. No, child. it's because it's literally a kid. <laughs> I'm sure he would have preferred if the if the child was napping. <laughs> but so so yes that that was my offering um okay Quinn, as, so i know a little as, more about star trek now i know that babies are hard to take care of in star trek yes despite living in a future utopia um quinn do you have some something to share with us so that's weird mine also involves babies does it oh my yeah so um my story is called Star Trek Chekhov's Baby <laughs> by Wisha.Thorne. Set after the events of Star Trek Generations, which was one of the movies, Savik has returned to the crew, and she and Chekhov have done the deed, conceived their child by the time the story starts. This story is a multi-way crossover, as Chekhov and Savik become part of the Voyager crew, which will later merge with the TNG crew, and other crews too. Which is weird, because Chekhov is from the original series, and Voyager and TNG are from like a hundred years later. So, so he's like an immortal god creature then, is, I, what, is what I'm picking up from that. I guess, maybe... His child Sometimes, is going to have some crazy superpower or whatever, because that's, you know, what happens. I don't know. Sometimes weird bullshit happens in Star Trek that makes people immortal and shit. Anyway, I, I feel the need to point out, based on what happens immediately at the beginning of the story, that, yes, this is chapter one, no, I am not skipping any sort of prologue, and no, none of these events happen, and no, 
like none of these events are related to what happens in Star Trek Generations. Okay. Okay. Pavel, which is Chekhov's first name, and I. But oh, by the way, this is told from Savik's point of view. Okay, and Savik is minor the wife, and, right? Yeah, Savik is the wife, and she's um, she has a, a, kid. a a minor character in some of the Star Trek movies. Okay. All right. Anyway. Pavel and I have been sent to Vulcan to be sentenced for a crime we have not committed. We are both scared out of our skins, and it is my first time back on Vulcan since I was a youngster. We have not slept in a week, and we are both weak, with him being weaker than me, but law enforcement officer behind us does not care and forces us to keep walking. I look at Pavel, who is visibly shaking, and I take hold of his hand. No holding of hands, of course, <laughs> Leave room for Jesus. <laughs> I disobey the order, as Pavel oh. is important to me, and I don't want to see him suffer. And and fuck? and no repercussions happen because of this. Oh. Okay, I, I guess so that's a, um, it, it was a very lenient order. Just fight the power, man. <laughs> fight it wherever you find it. When we finally get to the temple, we both realize that we are going to be in trouble. Oh, now you realize. The officer forces us to our knees. A judge then comes out. Do you know why you are here? The judge asks. We have no idea, Pavel replies. We are cold, tired, and very weak. Can we please rest? It has been very tough for us. You are here because you have been charged with attempting to overthrow the Vulcan government, the judge then says. Pavel looks at me with a look that breaks my heart. We both know we have not committed any crime. Uh, I have no idea what Savik sounds like, so I'm just going to make up a voice. Chekhov and I have not committed this crime that you speak of. (laughs) I was going to say you would do like a Texan (laughs) voice. (laughs) Well, well, Chekhov is Russian. So, uh, but anyway, I I speak for the both of us. We are innocent members of the Starship Federation. Vulcan is the home planet of Spock and myself. And we have no intention of doing anything that would cause direct or indirect harm. Sir, we serve to protect. From now on, the Vulcans are the... Just space Texas. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's only logical. It's only logical, Is that your y'all? one Star Trek joke? No, that's just the only thing I know Vulcans say. I don't fucking know what else they have to do. You have been charged with attempting to overthrow the Vulcan government. The judge gets angry. You have come here not for charging, but for sentencing. You will take your punishment. We have not done anything wrong, Pavel looks at the judge. Savik and I were on Romulus. We have done nothing wrong. Please, sir, let us go and let us rest. The charges will stand whether you like it or not, the judge stands firm. They cannot, as we both swear on our lives that we have done nothing wrong, I then say. I swear, your honor, I didn't do shit, so you can't send me to prison even though I had a murder weapon. Our words are not getting us anywhere. Then, out of nowhere, drop the charges or else, a female voice orders. The charges will stand, the judge replies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my God. What what are the charges? Uh, They tried to do a takeover of the 
Vulcan government. Okay, this seems like something where there's there should be concrete evidence more than just a he shed, see shed between the judge and everyone else. But that's not how politics and uh, court cases work in uh, in Star Trek, though, Austin. Okay. No, no, there's there's some pretty specific cases of like we need to build evidence and shit. Not in this story, though. I guess not. I guess Vulcan politics works differently. It's just like the judge says, you did it! And they'd be like, okay. But we didn't do it. But the judge says as you did. But continue <laughs> but they on, have, like, Quinn. Can't they, like, I, I mind hear... meld with each other? Can't they just do that and figure it out? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but, Qu Quinn, go on. I want to see how this ace attorney saves them. All right. Not if we have anything to do with it, the female then says. Chekhov and Savik are innocent, and their innocence has been proven because they were not there when this alleged attempt to overthrow the Vulcan government happened. Matter of fact, there has never been a Vulcan government. Surprising the Vulcan <laughs> Wait, government. Wait, what? <laughs> so, okay, so gonna... I was ready for some twists, but not, there's no government anyway to overthrow. So, so, what's the, so I guess their case is that... Chekhov and Slavic or whatever, they uh, they made a Vulcan government and then performed a, a takeover of it? Look, man, you can't overthrow the Vulcan government if there is no Vulcan government. No, it's like they made one so they could take it over. Well, I think that's what they're being accused of. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they're saying, we're, we're, getting, we're getting caught Vulcan. up in the weeds here. Let's continue. All right. The female then appears in front of us. It is none other than Captain Janeway. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. Mm. What are you doing here? I am surprised. Saving you and Chekhov, Captain Janeway smiles. As, you, as I'm guessing you know, I am Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. I am here on behalf of Captain Jean-Luc Picard and his crew on board the USS Enterprise. That surprises me. But then I realized that we are going to be safe. The judge is found out to be the one who made the attempt, and Captain Janeway kills him, which would have been the sentence Pavel and I received. Just, okay, just murks him in cold blood. I guess that's in character for Janeway anyway. Just, just walks in. You, They did not throw over the government, because there is no government to overthrow. Besides, you were the one who tried to overthrow this non-existence. Pulls out my gun. Bam! Yep, I, I guess that's what happens. <laughs> okay okay i'm sorry about that but it had to be done captain janeway looks at us i will now take you to the voyager medical bay as you must both be in need of medical help captain janeway then kills the law enforcement officer <laughs> <laughs> just oh wait i forgot one bam Remember, we learned last week that, that cops are thugs. So just, just fucking shooting your way in and out of in, of places indiscriminately, regardless of the police. is totally okay. Yeah, and now uh, Chekhov, uh, his wife, and uh, Captain Janeway are going to get in a Lamborghini and just speed across uh, space with mm -hmm. cops in hot pursuit. While Sonic the Hedgehog in the background saves them all. <laughs> Uh, I love our I love our expanded universe. Continue on, Quinn. I then get up and walk over to Pavel, who breaks into tears and hugs me. I also break into tears, knowing that we were free. 
You have no idea how hard it was to get here. Captain Janeway looks at us. How hard was it? I am eager to know. <laughs> it's like, do, do the Vulcans have a concept of phrasing? I don't... Do think, do is Savik a Vulcan? Yeah. I, yes. Okay. Okay, continuing on. We had to battle death in order to get here. The road here was littered with decomposing bodies, which I had to bury. They were all human, and they were in various stages. It seems like the ex-judge wanted to try many people for his crimes, and they died on the way and were just left there to rot, Captain Janeway then says. That sends chills down my spine. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not show us those places, I order. They were all buried now, but since you need help, I will have no choice but to teleport you to Voyager, Captain Janeway replies. I will alert the medical staff, who will be there when we arrive on Voyager. They will check you over and will nurse you back to health. Captain Janeway then comes over to us and presses a button. Within seconds, we are on Voyager. Welcome to the USS Voyager, a male voice says. That voice is Tuvok. Oh, shit. <clears throat> Welcome to the USS Voyager, a male voice then says. <laughs> that voice is Tuvok, who is also a Vulcan. I'm sorry, but who are you? I'm confused. I'm Tuvok, Tuvok replies. Like you, I'm a Vulcan. <laughs> Spock says, live long and prosper. <laughs> I, I know what Tuvok sounds like, but we, we've established this is canon now. Yes, yes, this is the best canon. <laughs> the, shi the ship's doctor then comes forth and takes us to the medical bay. Tell me exactly what happened, the doctor asks us whilst assisting... Ass okay, I'm going to try that again. The doctor asks us whilst assessing me. Okay. That's one of those things where you write it because you're like, wow, this is grammatically correct and uh, and honestly sounds quite intelligent mm -hmm. and then you read it aloud and you realize that that is the clumsiest fucking thing <laughs> we were supposed oh wait <clears throat> we were supposedly charged with attempting to overthrow the Vulcan government which we now know is a cover-up because of what your captain told us i reply she has been monitoring the situation the doctor gives me a clean bill of health you are now fit and healthy but yes, she's been monitoring everything, because I guess she's God. Um, when she saw you two appear, she alerted the crew of the Enterprise. The doctor then tends to Pavel, who lies down. How do you feel? The doctor asks Pavel. I feel very weak, but I also feel happy that Sovik and I are safe. Pavik tries not to break down. You can cry if you want, it's perfectly okay. The doctor notices... The doctor takes a bit longer to check Pavel, as something unexpected has popped up. Is everything okay? Pavel becomes worried. Yes, although when I scanned your stomach, my scanner picked up another life form, the doctor replies. Tell me, have you had any sexual relations with anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, no way. Have you ever copulated or fornicated with another? No, 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 he, he's, he's asking Pavel this. Pavel! Pavel! 
Wasn't that an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he gave no, birth? No, yeah, it's called Junior. Going boldly, where only Arnold Schwarzenegger went before now. Okay. He gives birth to a baby, and it has his adult face. <laughs> Which, if you've ever, are you seen... fucking with me right oh, now? Oh goodness, no! If you've ever seen Arnold's face, like in in any movie with him, like imagine that on a baby's body. That he, that he gave I... birth to. It was inside of him. Okay. Oh my! Quinn, Quinn, help me! Save! I move on! Save us! I am a baby. That's what he says. He said he's a fertility doctor, and he's like, I need to test this new medicine to to get FDA It will make me pregnant. I will try it on myself. Have baby. Hmm. All right. Anyway, we're gonna move from one bad accent to another. And now Chekhov is doing it. Yep. Anyway, we're going to move from one bad accent to another. With me, sir, like six weeks ago when we were visiting City Alpha 5, I add. <laughs> what is this thing inside me? Pavel wants to know. Is it an alien that's going to kill me? I want to know. I love that they know the exact day that they last had sex. Well, it's like, it's he, it's... Well, they marked you know, it on such, their schedule. Yeah, they have it written and, and down. And, like, like, for two people so madly in love... 7 p.m. Are they already married? Because, like, that is a that is an incredible drought. Yeah, they write, they write, like, 7 p.m. Intercourse. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Blocked out for five minutes. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's just sad. <laughs> Um, the life form has got the DNA of a human, a Vulcan, and a Romulan, the doctor replies. It is your child, Admiral, as you are pregnant. (laughs) I'm pregnant? Pavel is surprised. Yes, Admiral, you are pregnant, the doctor smiles. For now, for the DNA, as I'd like to know why there are three races in the DNA. I'd like to know how he's going to give birth. Well, so I, so either, um, you know, there's a multiple. Where a multi- is it gestating? Uh, Where? Like, what <laughs> hole will well, it exit a, from? Well, well, as far as I can understand it, you you can have a you can have a dick baby or you can have a butt baby. No, no. <laughs> you, where is it gestating? Uh, in his stomach. How is it not being dissolved? That that's a very unfriendly environment to a baby. The, it'll come out tough. It's almost as unfriendly as West Philly. <laughs> Continuing <laughs> on. I am of Vulcan and Romulan descent, I reply. Chekhov is of human descent. Well, that explains it, which means that it is your child, the doctor smiles. So so this genius (laughs) doctor, this genius doctor can detect that a man is pregnant, but can't read on his patient's chart that he is half human, half Romulan. No, 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 Is that how DNA works? Like that if you're, if if you're Vulcan and Romulan, like there's just a clean split in the middle and when you have a baby, there's three DNAs? Well, okay. So the thing is that Chekhov is just human. Yeah, the wife, Somehow is, the doctor the wife didn't is Vulcan, and what's a Romulan? Bizarro Vulcans. Okay. Okay, so so then, for the same question, just different topic, how could this doctor not look at the patient's chart <laughs> and say, hmm, 
you you are you are currently copulating with a half rom with someone who has mixed ethnicity. What are those in eth ethnicities? Romulan and Vulcan. Hmm. Weird how those are in your baby. Weird also, how, he's not weird asking how questions you're of, the one who's pregnant, Shekel. Yeah, he's not asking questions of why the male is pregnant. He's just like, hmm, that's weird. It's 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 a mixed race. Huh, it's a mudblood. Weird. This this doctor is clearly also from Space Texas, that he is more concerned about the, the baby's ethnicity than the fact <laughs> the baby's being born by a man. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of confusing things here. You know, the fact that, you know, a man is pregnant, you know, being pushed that to the side, but the, is there three DNAs in one baby? Uh, I, yes. let's, let's continue, Quinn. Let's, uh, let's find out what okay. else. Okay. Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Have, Quinn, have you read the story already? To, I skimmed it. I, I usually skim my stories. Are we gonna the witness the birth? I don't think so. Let, let's find Let, out. Let, yeah. Let's find out. Let's let's continue on. All right. I walk over to Pavel and ruffle through his hair with my left hand and put my right hand on his stomach. <laughs> you both have a clean bill of health now. The doctor looks up at us. Except for But one I must thing. ask what you are doing. Con oh. <clears throat> Connecting with the father of my child. I look up. After what we have been through, to hear that such news is a shock to the system. <laughs> Did Kirk and Sulu survive? Oh, okay. <laughs> Aren't they supposed to be dead now that they were, were hundreds of years in the future? Well, theoretically, so is Chekhov as well, but that's apparently beside the point. Alright. Oh. I am sorry to say, but they did not survive. Captain Janeway appears out of out of thin air. None of them did, aside from you two and Spock, who we are trying to locate. Captain Kirk was crushed to death, witnessed by Captain Picard. Sulu died not long after. As for the others, their deaths are mysteries. How do you feel? We are both okay now, Pavel replies, apparently totally chill with the fact that he's got a baby in him. You could, they like, C-section it out. That might be, be the better way to go. But where are they going to C-section it from? Uh, his stomach. We already went through this. He could just vomit the baby up. Where think, is it gestating? His stomach. No. Yes. No. Yes. Continue, that's, where, that's the only place it could be. No, that is the worst place it could be. No. And Continue, Quinn. Continue. They are, they are also expecting as Chekhov is pregnant, Captain. Captain Janeway rushes over. How far along? Captain Janeway <laughs> wants to know. <laughs> I love how she's treating it as a totally normal thing. And it's like... Everybody is treating the fact that the man is giving the birth as the least weird part about this. <laughs> Maybe that's, like, what happens in the future. Maybe, like... The, the humans I don't want of, to live in this maybe, future. No, no, no. Maybe like the humans of, of nowadays bred with seahorses or something and I do not want to live in this future. All right. Thankfully, Six we'll weeks. probably be but, dead by the time that happens. Six weeks, the doctor replies. I take Pavel's hand and place it on his stomach. We both smile, and so does Captain Janeway. <laughs> then Tuvok appears. What is this I hear about a pregnancy? Tuvok <laughs> is eager to know. Chekhov is pregnant, I smile, with my child. <laughs> Would it be more than logical to say that I have hope for this news? Tuvok looks at Pavel. It is as logical as you want it to be, Pavel replies. Spock would say the same thing. Has he been found yet? Wait, they just asked like 30 seconds ago. Well, I don't, a lot I don't, can happen in 30 seconds, you know, like finding your friend or learning that you're pregnant. 
I, I don't think they could locate a missing person within 30 seconds. Well, they yeah, located not, that, but they, Quinn, they located, uh, they located uh, Picard's baby in 30 seconds. Also, oh. Janeway, like, got them out of shit in, like, 45 seconds. Mm. <laughs> a lot could happen in a short period of time, Quinn. He has not, but he will be. I'm sure of it. We will be the ones to greet him if he is. Tuvok turns around. Then I, I then help Pavel to stand up. I rest my hand on his stomach, as so as to protect protect our child. No Captain one's gonna want to hurt that thing. They have to dig around in his insides. Captain Janeway orders Tuvok to fetch some new clothing for us. Will you both be willing to serve on the bridge, even though one of you is pregnant? <laughs> Captain Janeway looks at us. Only if it means that Chekhov doesn't have to do anything which will harm our baby, I order. That would be a guarantee, as I seek to ensure your safety, and the Enterprise will be merging with us, so to have your expertise will be of great importance. Are Captain. these spaceships like Voltron? <laughs> that, I, I apparently missed that Star Trek episode, I, I'm... I'm very looking forward to seeing it at some point. Just... Oh my god, maybe I'm going to get Gundam after all. With <laughs> well, Enterprise get, Mecha. You'll get Gundam if you roll well enough. I will. I'll with this day. All right. <laughs> and your child will have a very big family because we will all be there for you. Pavel and I both smile. And when Tuvok returns with the clothing, we put them on. As opposed to eat them, I guess. They well, happen they, to be well, what we wore. It's the clothing, and we put them on, so we have to imagine that there's just a giant pair of pants, and Chekhov and his wife are just wearing them at the same time, and, like, waddling around. They happen to be what we wore, which makes me smile, and Pavel realized just how much he loved the others. We then head to the bridge. You both know how to handle all the controls, so there might not be much you need to be taught, Captain Janeway it, says to isn't us. Isn't Chekhov an admiral? Didn't they call him an admiral earlier? Yes. How is he working on the bridge for a captain? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, were you aware of any time loops? Time loops for what? I am confused. You would both be over a century in age by now. Where did you say you were, and what was that whole thing with the Vulcan government happened? Captain Janeway looks at Pavel. We were on Romulus, Pavel replies. That was the last recorded sighting of your crew, Captain Janeway then says. You and Savik were found unconscious, and you were taken aboard a vessel which traveled to the time we were in now. When you, woke, when you were woken up and kept in something called awake stasis, there were... Awake stasis? Just, hmm. Where you were awake for the duration of the journey. That was why you were weak. We couldn't intercept, and neither could Captain Picard and his crew, as the vessel was too advanced for us. So I had to do the honorable thing and wait for you to arrive on Vulcan. Glad that I did... If you would have had death as your sentence had the judge not been uncovered and found out by myself. Okay. <laughs> oh, whew, that, was, that, was a, that was a paragraph to read. <laughs> we are happy that you came for us, Pavel replies. Now, how long will my pregnancy last? 
Your doctor guy didn't tell me. Your pregnancy will last nine months, Captain Janeway smiles. The ship's doctor is not human, but an EMT, which stands for emergency medical technician. In other words, he's a hologram? I remember hearing about this, that apparently on some of the Star Trek ships, they have like an advanced medical thing where they can create a doctor, like uh, the, the computer can basically just run a medical protocol. And since all the surgeries and such are done with robotic tools anyways, as long, if you have a medical protocol, then the, com- the computer can just do everything. And the hologram is just there to comfort the patient by there being like a visible thing that they're interacting with. But the computer has programmed into it, like, male pregnancy dot 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 app. exe yeah dot flack oh yes dot flack. RAR. okay I'm meaning that learning somebody male pregnancy dot rar and said we need to put it inside our medical computer i'm, I'm proud of you quinn that you're going to dot flack here i'm proud of you <laughs> oh i'm still not exporting this podcast as flack we're doing it we have limited space on our soundcloud account man for now <laughs> just wait when we get that dank dank audible money <laughs> <laughs> We'll buy a pizza, and then we'll we'll convert to flack. <laughs> and run this podcast into the ground with hosting fees. <laughs> the screen then starts to flicker. Captain Janeway, upon noticing, returns to her seat. Then, this is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Captain Picard looks, mm, Captain Picard looks at Captain Janeway. Have you found Chekhov and Savick? We have, Captain. Captain Janeway replies. They are here on the bridge. They are now in uniform and serving as my bridge crew. Any word on the whereabouts of Spock? He is alive and well on Nimbus 3, Captain Picard smiles. He wants to regain contact with Chekhov and Savik. When we next meet, it will be to merge our crews. Oh, they're merging the crews, not the ship. Oh, I'm significantly less excited for this. (laughs) I was looking for some kung fu mecha action. That's brilliant news, and yes, I believe it will. Also, if you see Spock, tell him that Chekhov and Savik are to have a baby. He's in his sixth week, Captain Janeway replies and orders. He? Captain Picard is confused. Yes, Captain. That is the correct emotion, Captain. Yes, Captain. Pavel looks at the screen. It is a pleasure to see you alive and well and pregnant, Admiral. Captain Picard (laughs) is happy. (laughs) I am Ke- I am Savick. I also look at the screen. I am the baby's mother. And that is where the story ends. Oh, no. Right there. We're not going <laughs> to see how he gives birth to Wesley, baby Wesley, or whatever. Or whatever the fuck they're naming the abomination. Yeah. Uh, that's a bummer. Well, George, that just leaves your gift. Have you brought us another long, continuous chorus of air horns? Well, no, that's not what I brought. Um, So, I didn't. I don't know enough about Star Trek to really have uh, have a great idea of what to look for and what story, what longer stories I found. I um, I didn't find that were really funny. They weren't interesting or funny. But what I did find scrolling through were were um some very very short stories many of them under like you know around 50 to 100 words and so i found a a nice little collection that will some that will give to me 
an image of what Star Trek is. Okay, so this is a nice Star Trek power. We've we've sort of assaulted you all with babies and left you in a confused place, no doubt. So so this is like us saying, okay, now we're actually gonna explain what the fuck yeah, we're on about. Yeah, so so I picked out uh I picked out eight stories. Um right. and each of them gives an element of what Star Trek is, I think. So it's how okay. how the crews interact, who's in the crews, you know, what a mission's like, and you know what kind of people, what the Star Trek universe is like. George, is this poetry? Uh, there is one poem. <laughs> so um, if we wanna if we wanna go, are, are y'all ready? Let's go. Ahead. Let's go. All right. Uh, our first story is called Photon Beam. It was much the war going on in the stars. Captain Kirk was distracted. Suddenly, Darth Vader flew into the window of the spaceship. What? Suddenly, Darth Vader flew into the window of the spaceship. I heard you the first time! Photons were surrounded. Darth Vader was pulled away from the window by the photons. The relative frequency was much to be upheld. The photons then turned away and grabbed the spaceship. Skywalker tried to use a force on the protons, but the wrong force was applied and it backfired. Suddenly, the photons threw the spaceship into a star and it exploded. The photons were pleased. No more wars in their stars. So there's a so that implies a heavy no no don't explain it let's keep going just a heavy going. crossover between uh, the Star Wars universe yeah. and the Star Trek yeah, d don't explain it just keep going on your daddiest nightmare all right um, so the next uh, the next story I found is called uh, Star Trek colon hot shower uh, by Angelus Barney in the beginning goats a god trademarked. Goatsta. <laughs> and the Q Continuum trademark existed. Then, LaForge trademark dropped his visor, which fell onto the power button trademark of the computer. The computer Why is power button trademark? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's too common a phrase to actually get a little trademark I don't on. know, but the computer shut down trademarked. <laughs> and... and Letter Q trademark showed up. LaFord's trademark says it's a god, a letter Q trademark god, and proceeds to sacrifice Worf trademark to him. Letter Q trademark refuses and says our letter Q trademark is weak. Kill it. Which afterward letter Q trademark just leaves. Not without grabbing trademark. Two random people and sticking one of them onto the other's hand. Then Worf trademark took a shit. Worf trademark kissed Shrek trademark the end. Trademark exclamation point. Keep going. Yep. Uh, I think... Just maybe... keep going. Pedal to the metal. We'll get out of this neighborhood right, fast enough ready? when... Are you ready? <laughs> Harry Potter Star Trek crossover. <laughs> Harry Potter Star Trek crossover. 
Harry Potter Star Trek Crossover Challenge Harry Potter is reborn in the Star Trek Universe. The first challenge Harry Potter is reborn in the Star Trek Universe set in Star Trek Enterprise series as an as a offshot of a Vulcan in a problem known as the Ancient Rule 1. Harry Potter must live on city ships based off Stargate Atlantis series Rule 2. He must have at least three mates. One of them must be Vulcan second in command of the Enterprise. Second challenge Harry Potter. Reborn is in the Star Trek universe during the Star Trek Next Gen. Rule 1 Harry Potter is the son of Ambassador Spock and Ambassador Elot to some. Troy is the brother, brother of Counselor Troy. Harry Potter is a science officer and engineer aboard the Enterprise. Rule 3. Harry Potter libido must be higher than a Vulcan, our Betazoid. I don't know what that means, but he okay, has to have I a high libido. Okay, I think I'm going libido. to institute a new rule in the podcast e. of everyone needs to bring a backup story. <laughs> okay. But this one's, uh, Quinn, I, I think you might want to rescind that rule because I have a really good story for you right, right now. Okay, that was the entirety of the Harry Potter one? Oh yeah, that one's done. Okay. I honestly wasn't sure if that was the story or if that was them attempting to, like, explain what the story no, was. No, no, that was the story. It was a single sentence. All right. On to anyway. the next one. Just keep... Look, Quinn, you just... This is like when you're driving through a storm. You just roll up your windows, you turn on the, the windshield wipers, and you stay with a nice, even position on the throttle and keep your eyes forward. Anyway... Are we ready for a Star Trek fanfic for a friend? Just just inflict all these. You don't have to stop in between. Just keep inflicting them. For Patty, a Star Trek fanfic, Captain Kirk of the USS Enterprise was feeling particularly horny that day. Which is something, since he is exactly like a bitch in heat most of the, most of the time anyway. Feeling bold, he entered the quarters of his first mate and science officer, Mr. Spock, who was sitting at his desk with a bunch of complicated gadgets. Spock, Kirk began, I have a hypothetical situation for you to analyze. Hmm, intriguing. Spock replied, raising his brow. Kirk strolled about the room like a lion circling it is prey as he continued to talk. Hopefully Spock. he eats Spock and this is where this ends. Spock We've known each other for a long time. We have come to love and respect one another like the friends we are today. But if, but what would you say if, if, if I put my dick in your ass, would you say that was enjoyable or, or unsatisfactory? Mr. Spock remained silent for a few moments, seriously pondering the question. Well, since I have never partaken in human anal sex, it would be hard for me to judge the results of this hypothetical situation. Just say no, Spock. Just say what no. What do you say we try it out? Spock once again. Spock, raised, this is harassment. Raised his eyebrows. You can say no, even Kirk's if he's the proposal. captain. Hashtag me too. Hashtag Spock too. Spock, if you are unsafe, just blink. Are you saying we should experiment with this anal sex act to determine whether I find it enjoyable or not? Yes. I fail to see the logic in this venture. What I fail to see is the logic of why my dick isn't in your ass. Are you giving me an order? 
Are you giving me an order to let you... There's such a thing as a lawful order, Spock. Are you giving me an order to let you penetrate my anus, Jim? Sure. Well then, okay. So then they fucked, and it was pretty good. The end. I forgot I wrote this. A present for my Tumblr friend, Patty. Disclaimer, I don't own Star Trek, William Shatner, or... or for, I, thought, I thought you were saying that you were the one who wrote this. <laughs> I don't... No, that's a cliff note. You know, maybe, maybe this is the secret, Quinn. All these fanfics that George has been attacking us with, they have actually been... This has just been him, like, going to a writer's club every week. <laughs> Uh, sadly, he's just trying, not, to, get like, a, he's just trying to get people's opinions. But I do have a new story called Wet and Wild. All right. Keep going. Uh, keep going. Quote from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Kirk says, I could use a shower. Spock says, yes. When they are months younger, ellipsis, art by Elf Queen 55. The heat rose in the shower cubicle. Hot, steamy water cascaded down their bodies, leaving a trail of droplets clinging to them. Hard bodies, fully aroused and the steam, clouded their vision. Hands everywhere, lips swollen and tongues demanding entrance. Finally, release sends them over well, the edge. Are they edge. having an allergic reaction? I think so. Such a wet and wild ride. Is that the end yep. of, your, of nope. your storm? I don't oh, no, even no. know who was in there. I have three more. I don't, uh, I don't know. It didn't say. But here's the poem, Quinn. The poem you're looking for. You ready for this poem? Each time yes, he sees her... Yes, just get on her, with it. Fucking time, God damn it, George. <laughs> each time he sees her on the bridge. Each time he lets himself see Marlena Moreau on the bridge. Jim Kirk imagines... That he is his counterpart in the mirror universe, and both he and Marlena are about to make love right in his personal quarters. Was that the poem? Yeah. That, that, was that a wasn't poem. a poem. Uh, so now we get to this other story. Uh, Jim T. Kirk, part of this complete breakfast. Is this the <laughs> last one? Nope, there's one more. Oh, just fucking go get it over with there. Kirk Kill jerked. <laughs> All right, starting now. Uh, Kirk jerked as the, as the cool, thick liquid made contact with his skin. It began making its way down its sides. <laughs> On to the we desk. have gone down the darkest path. It began making his way down the sides onto the desk where he lay. His first officer set to work, diligently sucking up the liquid. As soon as he ensured no more of it would reach the table. Be ready for... Austin, be ready for a twist here. He moved upward to his captain's chest. His teeth gently grazed the skin below Kirk's left nipple as he took a marshmallow into his mouth. And Jim gasped. <gasps> Spock trailed his tongue lower to Kirk's navel, lapping at the milk that pooled there and threatened to trickle lower. <laughs> Spock tipped the bowl a little more and began savoring the new cereal and milk that spilled onto Kirk's chest. All the nipping and sucking and licking drove, drove Jim crazy. <laughs> the Vulcan stopped with one swift gesture and said, wait. And Kirk did wait. As much as it tortured him, until the Vulcan had finished every last piece of cereal and lapped up all the milk. Spock then moved lower and finally took Jim into his mouth. Jim didn't last very long. Holy mother of fuck, I love Lucky Charms, he cried. 
Vulcan, the Vulcan pulled away and wiped the corner of his mouth with his sleeve. Jim lay panting, recovering, and Spock stood up. I told you cereal makes a logical choice for breakfast, he said. Kirk smiled. Well, if, if you eat it like that, it does, he replied breathlessly. He took a moment to glance around and survey the damage. His desk would need a good cleaning before he could use it again, and he needed a shower. Spock nodded. It also has a good source of vitamins and minerals, particularly calcium, not to mention the euphoric effect having to achieve from all the sugar. He was cut off by, Spock, by Kirk's hand on his mouth. Shit, Spock. You can kill a mood like no other. On to the final story. Star Trek. What was the twist? There was no was twist. Ser- yeah, it was. It was cereal. No, no, he just... He, he still gave him a blowjob. Okay? Yeah, there was still was, a fucking blowjob involved. But it wasn't one when you thought it was. Star there Trek. There was still a blowjob. That isn't how a twist works. A twist isn't a... Oh, we're not gonna do it. Actually, yes, we are. That's a double twist. Anyway, Star Trek. A generic... Star Trek. A generic fanfic. Captain, Spock said. There's a hostile craft approaching... We have to. Oh, yeah, replied Captain Kirk. Well, fuck you, bitch. Captain Kirk roundhouse kicked Spock onto the approaching ship, destroying it and killing everyone on board before turning on the rest of the crew. Captain, no, you just killed Spock, said Dr. McCoy. Kirk pulled his blaster from the blaster of its holster, set from stun to completely fucking destroy, and aimed it at McCoy. Take one step closer and I'll blow your brains out, you smart-ass dickwad. Kirk fired, exploding McCoy and splattering. But he didn't take any steps forward! Blood and guts all over the room. Before having sex with every single female crew member of the crew so hard it exploded them from the inside. So there was no more blood and stuff. The end. And now I'm... Thank fucking Jesus. So that was the fictional fans. Um, if you're curious this podcast about that, was a mistake. If you're curious about what that long, like, 10, 15-minute continuous single tone was, um, that was George's stories. We decided to edit them the fuck out. So you can't edit them out. They're too good to edit out. George, I, I edit this podcast. I will make that decision. Oh, no. Um, you don't want to hear about the thrilling adventures of... Captain Kirk and Spock and tables. So, and so Quinn, as I understand it, we have to uh, roll the, the, the table of destiny, do we not? I have a d20 in my hands. We're going to roll it on the table, and whatever it rolls is going to be our subject for next week. So, real quick recap of uh, what's on the table right now. Uh, 20 is Reader's Choice. 19 is Legend of Zelda. 18 is Pokemon. 17 is Doctor Who. 16 is Supernatural. 15 MLP. 14 is Avatar, The Last Airbender. 13 is Hunger Games. 12 is Chronicles of Narnia. 11 is any crossover fic. 10 is a long form where we'll read multiple chapters of a uh, longer fan fiction. Um, 9 is Star Wars. 8 is Lord of the Rings. 7 is Percy Jackson. 6 is Twilight. 5 is Dragon Ball. 4 is Gundam. 3 is Yu-Gi-Oh! 2 is Harry Potter. And 1 is Reader's Choice, but you're selecting a story for someone else to read. So, I've got the dice here, yeah, and going to give it a quick roll. Austin, you're hoping for a four, right? Yes. What is Austin, it? Austin, I think we're going to be outed next week. What is it? 
We're gonna be reading about some fucking magical adventures in the land of Equestria. Cause it's my, my little, little pony. pony. My little pony. All right, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm I'm actually. You know what? No, I'm not because I know I'm gonna have to listen to George's story. Um, <laughs> so, so take us home, Quinn. That is our episode for this week. Um, you can listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Castbox, and YouTube. And if you want to message any of us on the show, um, you can get to us at at fictional underscore fans on Twitter, or you can email us at fictionalfanspodcast at gmail.com. All right. Good night. Later days. Yeah, I'm very sorry. <laughs>